In today's gospel reading and the sermon text, <clears throat> Jesus tells a parable of sowing seed. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 8th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, Jesus said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled on the foot, and the birds of the air devoured it. <clears throat> And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As Jesus said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the gospel of the Lord. Now, as I said, uh, this is my, my last Sunday service. We'll be here for, for Monday, Thursday service and Good Friday, but this is my last Sunday service, and so I've decided not to, not to focus on the, um, on the Palm Sunday theme, but I want to use this time as a, as a goodbye, uh, as my last Sunday service. And so um, I didn't ask anybody, I'm just going to go ahead and go ahead and do it. Our Lord Jesus Christ came with three parts of his ministry, preaching, teaching, and healing. In the preaching, he called people to, turn, to, he called people to go to ask God for a mulligan to start over. In teaching, he told people about what life in the kingdom of God was like, and in healing, he wanted to make clear that God wants us well, and Jesus came and healed all kinds of people. As we saw last week, he raised three people from the dead. So in, in our ministry here, we've been, I've preached, we've had two healing services, and I've often taught on Sunday mornings. And I'd like to think this morning about Jesus, about Jesus' teaching ministry. A central method that our Lord Jesus Christ used for teaching was stories. They're called parables. And Jesus wrote these parables. He didn't make them up on the spot. I think Jesus sat down and really figured out how to write these stories because they're, they're so well put together. They're, they're short, but they've got a lot of meaning in them. I also think that uh, Jesus told these stories any number of times. He didn't tell a parable once and then throw it away. In his three years as a preacher and teacher and healer, I think he told the same stories any number of times. And that's how his disciples remembered them and wrote them down because they heard them again and again and again. Now, some of the stories, some of the parables Jesus told were easy to understand. Take, for example, the parable of, of the runaway boy, the, par the prodigal son. You know that, right? The boy runs away, takes his father's money. He's living with the pigs. He decides to come home. And when he's a long way away, his father is waiting, and his father sees him way down the road. And I never saw my father run. But this boy saw his father run toward him. And you know, running in a robe like this is not easy. It, it, it looks kind of silly. But his father was so anxious to, to hug his son again that he went and he ran towards him. And he welcomed him back and he threw a, he threw a big party. 
And the meaning of that parable is incredibly simple, isn't it? God wants you back. You can always come back, no matter what you've done. You're always welcome back. God wants you back. That's a very simple story. Some of the other parables were rather difficult, and you had to think about them. And one of those difficult parables was the one I chose to be read this morning about the sowing of the seed. It says that Jesus told the story to a, to a, a large group of people. I want to think about the crowd. Who was in the crowd? Well, I think there were uh, people who were looking for the meaning of life. There were people who, who loved Jesus. There were people who hated him. There were people who were just wandering by and they saw this crowd and they were curious and they just went to see what was going on. If you've ever been in London, they have these street preachers and they're standing on a soapbox or something, they're preaching about Jesus and all kinds of people are around there. Some of them are laughing at him, some are listening intently and that's what happened in this crowd and, and Jesus is teaching them and then he tells them, he tells them this parable. I'm going to read it for you again. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled on. And the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered for lack of moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil. And when it grew, it produced a hundredfold. Now, what does that mean? What's that about? What if we divided this, this body of believers into groups of five and asked you to come up with the meaning of this? So this isn't easy. In fact, the disciples of Jesus went to him and said, wait a minute, we don't understand this. You've got to explain this to us. And he explained it to his disciples privately, but didn't explain it to the crowd. So I can imagine the crowd looking at each other. What is this all about? Because you have to think about this. And at the end of it, Jesus said that those who have ears to hear, let them hear. That is to say, think about this. Well, I want to tell you what I think this is about. I think this story is not about the kingdom of God. It's about the listeners. It's about the crowd. And this story asks the simple question, what kind of soil are you? Now, just to get to that, you have to think about the parable. But it's about what kind of soil are you? Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm sharing all of this wonderful knowledge about God. I'm sharing the ways for you to become friends with God, to be reconciled with God. I'm sowing these seeds. What kind of soil are you? Are you the kind of soil that when this, uh, the, the seed falls in it, the, it dries up? It's no good? Are you the kind of soil that when you hear my word, when you hear the stuff I teach, it, it takes root, and then uh, you forget about it? Are you the kind of soil that you, you really like it? And then you get back out there 
and the cares of this world and all the pressures, they choke it off. Or are you good soil? So when you hear my words, Jesus says, wow, you believe and it takes root in you and it changes your life. Because if you're not good soil, then what I'm saying is useless to you. And so the question is, what kind of soil are you? I'm pleased to say that this parable does not apply to you. This is not about you. Because you are good soil. You're here regularly. You listen carefully. You ask me questions. What a pleasure it is for a pastor to sow in good soil. I mean, that's one of the joys of being here, to deal with good soil. Now, since I was, I've been serving here since the middle of June, I've preached 52 sermons. Who remembers all of them? I don't remember all of them. <laughs> but you see, it's like this. I don't, remember, I don't remember every meal that Val cooked for me. Where is she? I don't. I'm sorry, dear. I don't remember every meal you ever cooked for me. But I can say this. All the meals, the ones that I remembered and the ones that I've forgotten, have worked together to nourish me. And that's the way preaching is. You can't remember every sermon. But some of them that I've preached, uh, you, you responded to me. And so I want to talk about a couple of them. How many of you remember the story of Fred? We got some folks who remember. I, want to, I know the girls in the front row don't know Fred, so I'm going to tell you about Fred. This is a wonderful story about when our son got married. Uh, he married this girl named Erica. And Erica had a dog, and the dog's name was Fred. And the deal was that if Steve wanted to marry Erica, then Steve had to take the dog. And Steve's dad didn't let Steve have a dog. Steve's dad didn't like dogs. Steve's dad still doesn't like dogs. <laughs> but... Steve wanted to marry Erica, so he took, he took Fred along with him. And Fred became a wonderful part of the family. They lived in New Mexico, in Reno. And one winter, uh, late fall, they went up into the mountains to, to go hiking. And they went up to this park, and they opened the door, and Fred ran out, as he always did. And Steve and Erica walked around, and the weather changed. And it started to snow. And the roads were starting to get bad. And they decided they had to go back home. And so they called for Fred and called for Fred. And, and Fred didn't show up. And so finally, they had to leave Fred behind. And sadly, they drove home with, with Fred still out in the, in the park. The snow was so bad that it took three days before they could get back to the parking lot and go looking for Fred. 
And when they drove in the parking lot, at the exact spot where Steve and Erica had parked, there was Fred. Cold, hungry, waiting. Now, why did Fred do that? Fred did that because he had a relationship with Steve and Erica. The dog knew that they loved him. And he loved Steve and Erica. And the dog knew that if he waited, they would come back. And they did come back. And what's that about? Well, sometimes people feel that way, that, that God has left them in, in the snow, alone and cold. They say, well, where, where is God? I don't see him. He's not around. Well, he's there. And if you have a relationship with God, even when things are really, really hard, he'll show up. Just wait, like Fred. You don't want to be outdone in faithfulness by a dog. <laughs> now, here's the rest of the Fred story. <clears throat> is that uh, Steve and Erica adopt a little girl. Little Callie, our granddaughter. And... Uh, <clears throat> Fred soon found out that he was not the center of attention anymore. And then they decided to move from from Reno to Eugene, Oregon. And by this time, Fred had gotten old. And there was no good way to move him up to Eugene. And they were really at a... They they couldn't fly him. He couldn't stand a trip in the car. And it was a real problem. And they were trying to sell their house. And they were away one day when... Uh, someone, was, a, a realtor, was showing the house. And she called up and said, did you know you have a dead dog in your backyard? Fred had decided to solve their problem by dying. That was the ultimate gift of love. And Fred died. And they buried him up in the, up in the mountains where they loved to go. And they, they buried him with tears in their eyes, grateful for a dog. And if a dog can make that kind of a sacrifice, so can we. And that's the story of Fred. The second sermon I want to remember you about is, uh, is the, the narrow door. Who remembers the narrow door? All right, see that? Now, here's the... I love you girls right here in front today because, see, I had this... I had a door made. Jesus talked about a narrow door, and I asked myself one day, how narrow is a narrow door? And I had a guy at Meeks Lumber Company, and I give them a, 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 a commercial here, at Meeks Lumber Company, he built me a door that was six inches wide. It had a handle and, and hinges and the, the whole thing. Because Jesus said, enter through the, the narrow door. That Christians are, are narrow door people. Jesus said that um, we're narrow road. We walk on the narrow road. Because on either side of the narrow road is what? There's a ditch. And life in the ditch is not a lot of fun. Can you believe that? Do you know people who live in the ditch? I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I bet you do. 
And Jesus wants to keep us out of the ditch by keep us, keeping us on the narrow road and going through the narrow door. Does that mean we're narrow-minded? Well, if you let a, junk, let a lot of junk into your mind, it's going to change your life. Yeah, we, we, we think in a narrow way. We think according to the will of God. St. Paul said, by the transformation of your, your mind. And so we Christians are, are narrow door people. We're narrow road people because that's where life is. There's nothing but trouble in the ditch. And you young ladies are going to be tempted to go in the ditch. You will. Take my word for it. And if you go there, there's nothing but trouble. But if you go there, you get a mulligan. <laughs> but you'd rather not go. So that's the, that's the narrow door thing. Now I have one more story for you. And I want to leave this with you. Uh, it's about uh, a lady named Jillian um, Holby. And I want the next slide. There. This is Jill Holby. Jill Holby was, um, was from England. And after the war, Jill Holby married a Norwegian. And he dragged her back to Norway. And um, they had four children. Uh, she had a lot of difficulty in her life. She had a lot of victories in her life. She did what's called rose mulling. Anybody know rose mulling? Yeah, okay. Well, Jill did rose mulling. She, she painted this. And uh, Jill was on the call committee when we went to the church in Oslo, to the American Lutheran Church. Jill loved to talk about Jesus. You would have thought she had been vaccinated with, uh, with a, a Victrola needle. You know, she was always talking, but she talked about Jesus. She was not ashamed to mention Jesus Christ and her love of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ had done for her. She's a wonderful lady. About a year and a half ago, uh, Jill got very ill and um, went to the hospital. And she was laying in the hospital, and she was near death. And her best friend, Perpetua Moore, came to see her. Now, Jill and Perpetua were good friends because Perpetua was from India. She was from Goa. And she also married a Norwegian, and he also dragged her back to Oslo. So they had that in common, and, and Chris and Perpetua had, had four children. And Perpetua came to meet her, to see Jill in the hospital, with her, with her daughter Henrietta. Henrietta was the, um, the, the third child. Henrietta now, I think, is about 30. She's studying architecture. And, um, and, and Perpetua and Henrietta came to the bedside, and Jill was, was laying there half, half with it and half not with it. And Jill opened her eyes, and she said to Henrietta, always put Jesus first in your life. Always put Jesus first in your life. 
and then she slipped back into unconsciousness. As far as I know, those are the last words that Jill spoke to Henrietta. They're probably the last words that Jill Holby spoke to anybody. Always put Jesus Christ first in your life. And as we wind down our ministry here and prepare for Pastor Carpenter uh, to assume the pastoral responsibilities, for which I'm very grateful, good guy over there, as we close down our, our ministry here, I want to leave those words, not with just these wonderful young people here throughout the church, but with all of you. Because that's, that's the center of the Christian faith and of the Christian life. Always put Jesus Christ first in your life. Because when you do, you experience the abundant life that Jesus Christ promised to those who follow him. Amen.